Here we are, week three of The Good Life. Once again, my name is Dion Garrett. Glad to be here with you today. I want to welcome those of you joining us online. And um, if, you're, if you're online this morning, we've got a special job for you to do online. We are having a live stream exclusive survey for you. And uh, there's a website address that should be coming up here just in a second, right now, I think. And uh, we'd like you to write that down or, or bookmark that in some way. And then after the service is over, go and take that. That'll help us understand more about how we can connect with you better, how we can serve you better through the live stream, but also how we can reach more people through the live stream. So if you take a minute to do that after the service is over, we'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, I also want to call out that those of you in the room, you were given a job to do last week. If a lot of you were not here at the beginning of the service. Hey, by the way, this service starts at 10 45, just in case you're wondering. Um, but a lot of you weren't able to be here at the beginning, but we, we gave out $5 bills last week and we gave you a challenge. We said, this is God's money. Find a way to use it for God's purposes. And um, man, there are some amazing stories that are showing up right now on stjstl.net slash GL challenge, good life challenge, GL challenge. Um, and man, maybe one of your stories is one of those stories. I know yesterday my kids put their money together. They put on a lemonade stand I'll just tell you, it's, it's something living in this community because my kids put on a lemonade stand for $10. They made $94 from their lemonade stand. Yeah. Never would have happened where I grew up. I wouldn't even have seen a car drive by where I grew up. But um, that was my kids, $94 that then they gave this morning, last night and this morning in, uh, in offering to missions here. They wanted to give that back to mission work because they really love it and believe in it. And I just thought, great story. So we went and we posted this online at this website. We posted our story there. You could go and read that. Now, um, here's, here's a little family talk here. 876 of us took the $5 challenge. We took $5 of, of God's money. And right now we have about 50 stories reported back. So I know some of you are sitting there. That's about five or 6%. Some of you have them on your fridge. You've got a plan. You're thinking about it. You're praying about it. I don't want to rush you. You have for the rest of this series to see this through. Uh, but I do want to challenge you that whatever you do with it, you have to be accountable, right? It's kind of just baseline. If you ever want God to entrust you with anything, the first step is you have to be accountable. You have to answer for whatever you did. So even if you used it to buy yourself lunch last Sunday, I hope it was a good lunch. And uh, you need to be honest about that and you need to be accountable and said, hey, I bought myself lunch and explain why and do that on the website, okay? Or, yeah, whatever, I'll just, I'll stop there. So anyway, so week three of the Good Life Challenge as we're talking about this. Um, you know, I'm thinking about the Good Life myself because um, next Saturday, so... A, a week from yesterday, six days away, um, Jocelyn and I will be celebrating 16 years of marriage. This is what we looked like on our wedding day. Not much has changed except my forehead's gotten a little less shiny. Um, <laughs> looks like I'm wearing a headlamp there. Um, but this was us 16 years ago on our wedding day. Uh, so next Saturday, we're going to be celebrating 16 years of marriage in the most romantic place that I could possibly think of to spend a 16th anniversary. We are going to be at a family reunion in Valparaiso, Indiana. So um, that's how we'll be celebrating. But I think about 16 years of marriage, and uh, they've been good. They've, they've also been hard, but they've been good. We've had lots of ups and downs. Um, in 16 years, we have had our share of fights. Actually, in 16 years, I think we've had our, about quadruple our share of fights. We're a little abnormal that way. I, I've met with a lot of couples who sometimes are conflict-averse. You know, they, they avoid conflict. I think in our marriage, we have an infatuation with conflict. Um, we have a problem. We lean into conflict a lot. So we fight a lot in our, our relationship, but we make up pretty quickly and we, you know, we, we try to do it the right way. And uh, we fought about big things. We fought, fought about little things. But I think one of the dumbest things that we keep fighting about in our marriage is not 
socks on the floor or anything like that. Uh, one of the dumbest things, most long-standing fights that we fight about in our marriage is about what I do when I get a new shirt. Um, honestly, it's all true. I'll explain this to you. So when I get a new shirt, the first thing I do is, you know, I rip the tags off and I put it in the laundry basket because I won't wear something that's brand new. They, they put all kinds of weird chemicals on that stuff. I'm I'm just, I'm not putting that on my skin. So uh, my wife rolls her eyes and she's like, okay, so the wash gets done. Then the shirt will hang in my closet and in, a, in an obvious spot in my closet. And, and then I'll just kind of watch it and wait. <laughs> Seven days, 10 days, two weeks, three weeks. And I, what I'm waiting for, and some of you know this, you, you're, you're like with me right now. I'm waiting for the opportune moment to debut my new shirt. Right? Because you only get one chance to do this, and you got to do it right. You got to do it on the right day. So I, I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I wait for the right moment to debut my shirt. In the meantime, Jocelyn is rolling her eyes, not subtly, uh, because she's totally different when it comes to a new shirt. For Jocelyn, this is how a new shirt goes in her life. She, she puts it on, she rips off the tags, and then she wears it out of the store. <laughs> of course, she pays for it first, but I mean, that's, she, she's like... Today is the day I'm wearing the new shirt. And so for me, she, she just gets so frustrated with me. And she goes, well, I don't understand. Why haven't you worn that new shirt? And I'm like, because I'm waiting for the right day. And she's like, I don't understand why you, why you save stuff. Why don't you enjoy your stuff? And I say, I'm not saving it. I'm savoring it. Right? There's a difference. There's a difference there. Now, this actually brings us, this is not marriage therapy, but thank you. It does help. It does help. Um, um, this actually brings us to what we're talking about today, the, the topic that we're talking about today. We're talking about the freedom to enjoy, the freedom to enjoy. Now, uh, if you were here last week again, I hammered you pretty hard about the responsibility side of being blessed. That if you've been entrusted by God and you have with all kinds of things, you have a responsibility to use those things for God's agenda. And so I challenge you to find win-wins, to find ways to, to use it for God's agenda, but also to use it in a way that will be for your blessing. That's what the $5 challenge was all about. Um, so, so I, I kind of hammered you pretty hard on, the, on that last week. And as I talk this week, this week might actually begin to sound like a contradiction to you of what I talked about last week. But I assure you that it isn't. In fact, these two ideas, last week and this week, and if you missed last week, go back and watch it. These two ideas fit together really well. They must go together. They're so important to go together. And chances are you do one of these better than the other, but both of them must be, be put together if you want to manage the blessings in your life well and really experience the good life. And here's what I'm going to say about this week as we talk about the freedom to enjoy. That one of the greatest tragedies in all the world is that we have this good and loving God who is so generous and he gives us all kinds of great things in our life. And we may use them, we may consume them, but we don't actually enjoy them. And that's a tragedy on so many levels. Uh, today, to dive into this, we're going to go to the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, it's a poetry book or a wisdom book. Uh, so we're going to look in Ecclesiastes 9, except um, here in our Bibles, we have the New International Version, the NIV. Um, actually, because Ecclesiastes is poetry, I've chosen a different translation, a different version today, just because it's a little more poetic. So I'm going to be reading from that up here on the screen in case that's confusing to you. Um, so uh, this, is, this is believed to be written by Solomon, some say, the great and wise and wealthy king. Um, whoever it is, they're doing an experiment about what really matters in life. It's really at the heart of what does it mean to live the good life. And here's what he says. He says, but all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hands of God. And whether it is love or hate, you know, whether it is love or hate that God feels for them, man doesn't really know. Here's why. 
It is the same for all since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. As he who swears is, uh, as, and he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. There is an evil in all that is done under the sun that the same event happens to all. So, so the writer here is saying, there's something weird that bothers me about life. That you can be a good person, a bad person, a righteous person, a, an unrighteous person, a wise person, a foolish person, and the same event happens to us all. You sort of get the same reward for all of it. He says, this is really troubling to me, and he goes on. He says, also, this troubles me, that the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that, they go to the dead. So, so the writer's predicting something, or he's observing something, I should say, that the same thing happens to all of us, and the same event that happens is that we die. Now, we've all experienced this in life, the sense of injustice. When someone who is a really good person, a righteous person, a person who helps others, who serves others, when they're taken from us too soon. And not only do we grieve their loss personally, but, but there's something about that that says, God, wh- why, would, why would a good person be taken away? Meanwhile, there are all these other people who just seem to live forever and they're here making trouble and, and you take a good person away, right? I mean, that, that's, a, that's a feeling of deep injustice that we've all encountered. And so Solomon or whoever's writing Ecclesiastes he says, man, this, this isn't evil. This bothers me. This disturbs me. Uh, and then a few verses, he comes back and he actually gives us some advice. And he says, because that is so, because it doesn't matter if you're good or evil, you're going to die someday. And, and certainly we know there's something beyond death, but he's just dealing with, with the here and now. Here's what he says to do. Here's what he says we should do. And this is inspired word of scripture. He says, go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already approved what you do. I love that line. Basically, he's saying, if you're here still on, the, on this side of the grave, if you're still living and breathing, then that's kind of like God's giving you a green light. He's saying, go, eat your bread with joy, drink your wine with a merry heart, enjoy the things that I've given to you, right? If you're here today, that's all the permission that you need. He goes on. He says, let your garments always be white or be always white. So he's saying, you know, wear, wear your white clothes, even to the picnic where, you know, you might spill something on them. Don't save them up. Don't leave them on the hanger in your closet for weeks, right? Um, do it today. Don't save them. He says, let not oil be lacking on your head. Now, um, I was a step ahead 16 years ago. I already had the shiny head going on. I, uh, in, 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 a, in the Hebrew world, Oil on your head, that was a sign of, of blessing or favor. So if you went to a party, you'd oil your head, and a shiny head was a good thing. And, um, and so, you know, he's saying, hey, don't, don't just do this when you're going to a party or on special days. Always let your head uh, be shining with oil as a sign of favor. He goes on. He says, enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life. I'll come back to that in a second. All the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life. And in your toil at which you toil under the sun. So, um, you know, as I was wrestling with this this week, in fact, as, as some of our worship team was wrestling with this, they're like, man, this is really negative. Um, and I was, I was at my Tuesday morning meeting. We meet with some guys and, uh, and we study the text together and I steal all their good ideas and, and give them to you and pretend they're mine and it's really awesome. Um, and they're willing to do it, so that's great. But some of the guys were like, hey, I, I don't like this, this idea that, that my life is vain or sometimes it's translated meaningless. I don't think my life is meaningless. 
Uh, And in fact, you're right, this word vain, that's translated vain or meaningless, actually means breath or vapor. Breath or vapor. So what he's saying is, is, you know, enjoy life with the wife whom you love. I won't go into that, but just enjoy your relationship, she can say even more broadly. All the days of your life that's just as short as a breath. As temporary and as fleeting as a breath. It's like a vapor. It's here one minute and it's gone the next. See, see, seize the day. Uh, he says, because that is your portion in life. That's, that's the reward. That's the, the gift God has given you in this life. And yes, in the other life, there's other stuff to come, but we're not talking about that today. We're talking about this life. And then he goes on, next screen. He says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol, in the, in the grave, in the, in the realm of the dead to which you are going. Now, again, this person isn't casting people to hell or anything. What he's saying is, is he's saying, when you're dead, your opportunity to eat, to drink, to wear your good clothes, to wear oil on your head, to enjoy your, your wife, your husband, your relationships, it's gone, right? Today is the day, he says. Today is the day to eat on your good china. Don't save it up for next Easter. Today is the day to wear that that nice outfit hanging in your closet. Today is the day to go on a vacation because you don't know what's going to happen next year. And you don't have to break the budget to go on a vacation, but today's the day to do it. Today's the day to go out on that date. Today's the day not just to take a quick shower, but maybe to indulge in a bath. (laughs) Who bathes anymore? No one. We don't have time and it's too much water. We're so practical, but today's the day. Now, I know for some of you, this doesn't even sound biblical, does it? You're just like, it's in the Bible, but it doesn't even sound biblical. You, you, you don't expect this because for a lot of us, we believe that at God's heart, what he wants of us and want he, what he wants from us is only self-sacrifice, self-denial, hard things that we talked about last week. But herein lies the problem. God is a God who actually wants you to enjoy the things that he's entrusted to you. And there's a way to do that. Uh, first, though, uh, how many of you have seen the movie Schindler's List? Yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen Schindler's List, you're really missing out. I've only seen it once. It's all I could handle, frankly. Um, so I watched it once, uh, but I remember so many scenes from that movie vividly. One of the scenes I really remember, though, was the ending of the movie. I was very impacted by it. Um, the, the movie goes like this. Oscar Schindler, he's just found out that he's, he's broke. He's bankrupt. He's used all of his money to rescue Jews from concentration camps He's essentially buying them as, as slave labor, but he's saving their lives. He's not, he's, uh, not mistreating them. Uh, and he found out he's got no money left, and he's going to have to shut this all down. But right at that moment, fortuitously, the war ends. The Germans surrender, and so he's been successful. But he's got to get out of town because he's going to be seen as a war criminal. So he's getting ready to leave, and before he leaves, all 1,100 people that he saves, saved are gathered outside of the factory and they present to him this ring that they, they made and this letter and they express their thanks to him. And right in that moment, everything kind of hits Oscar Schindler. He realized what has just happened, what he's done, the war is over. And, and he becomes overwhelmed and he leans forward to, to his trusted friend, his manager, and he leans forward and he's, all these people are you know, applauding him and he goes, I could have got more. I could have got more people out. And if you've seen the movie, I, I think you probably remember the scene. He walks over to his car and, and he says, with this car, I, this could have been 10 more people. And, and, he, and he takes this pin off, this lapel pin, and, and he's like, with this pin, it could, have been, it could have been one more people. Oh, no, no, one more person. It could have been two more people. I think this is gold. It could have been two more people. And meanwhile, his manager is going, sir, there are 1,100 people here that are alive because of you. And Schindler's going, no, 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 I could have done more. 
mean, it's just deeply moving scene. I mean, just heart-wrenching to be in that kind of position. Now, now for me as a Christian, as I watched that movie, I thought, when I first watched it, I thought, man, yeah. See, that's right. And that's how I want to live my life. I surrender all, Jesus. Like everything I have, it's yours. Everything, the car, the pin, whatever it is, I want to give that over to be used by you so that more people will be in eternal life with me, so that more lives will be saved. That's my mantra. That's my mission. I'm ready to go at it. The problem is that's not exactly realistic. That's not a realistic way to live. And further, that's not even, that's not even biblical. That's not even what God demands of us. See, there's a balance to this. We know that in the world, there are some people who live with this mantra that this life is all there is. And that drives them to live a certain way, often devouring everything that they can in this life because this is it. This is all they have. And then there are some of us who live differently. We live with a different mindset. Our mindset is there is more to come. Man, I believe this. In fact, I believe the best things are to come. I believe that that the best things I'll ever experience can't be had in this life. They will happen after this life is over and I go to be with God. I believe that. And yet there's a danger here. There's a danger here of thinking because the good things are yet to come that I I can live life with all sacrifice, all self-denial. I I can just work really hard. It's all hardship. It's all, you know, everything I have, the car, the pin, I can give it all to this greater purpose. And somehow I'm going to endure through life. Somehow I'm going to be able to, to make it through. See, it's just not realistic to live life that way. And the truth is, God created you not only for, for things to enjoy in the life to come, but he's given you things today that can only be enjoyed today. And if you refuse to enjoy those things, not only is it, not only is it, is it you know, just dismissing God's heart for you and his gifts for you, but by, by refusing to enjoy the things that God has put into your life today, you're doing damage to yourself, damage to your relationships, and ultimately you won't be a very good steward of anything. See, I want to explore this a little bit further today, uh, this, this really important concept. Um, and in fact, Jesus once said um, in Matthew 7, and this just kind of sets it straight for me. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you know, fish to eat, not one to put in an aquarium, a fish to eat, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I mean, Jesus is just like appalled here. He's saying, you you guys are all messed up. I mean, you think you're good parents and you don't even know what's going on half the time. And if you know how to give good gifts to your children, then don't you think the the perfect Father in heaven, don't you think he's going to give good gifts to you, and I'll take that a step further, don't you think God gives you those good gifts because he means for you to, to not only to, to steward them for his agenda, but also to enjoy them? See, again, if, if we don't get this right, there is so much that is at stake in our well-being and in our stewardship of life. And I'm just going to tell you that I'm way better at doing what I talked about last week. I'm not great at that, but what we talked about last week, that, that resonates with me. I, I'm, I'm more wired that way for the hard work of stewarding and figuring it out and being responsible. I'm way better at that than I am at what we're going to talk about this week. But these ideas must come together, and there's so much at stake if we don't learn, if we don't give ourselves the freedom to enjoy what God has given us today. I want to I reel this out for you in case you're like me. Uh, when we fail to enjoy first, we burn out. Now, chances are in your life, you've come close to burnout before. That feeling um, of just being, you know, done with life. Now, now, the interesting thing about burnout, it's not 
necessarily that you quit life when you feel burnout or you quit your job. Um, what happens in burnout is a little trickier. Burnout is when your heart quits and it forgets to tell the rest of you. Right? So you still show up. You still show up to your job. You're still going through the motions of life, but there's no heart in it anymore. Now, um, in, in work, we often talk about burnout. That's probably one of the places we talk about it most. And uh, in my own life, uh, I've, I've come close to this. I've, I've teetered on the edge of burnout a lot. Uh, for me in my, my life, my job, it's got some unique challenges to it. Every job does, and my job is the same. It's got some unique challenges. For instance, I have a weird schedule in my job, right? I work every weekend. I work every holiday. That's kind of tough sometimes. Uh, what's really tough for me, actually, though, is, is that my job deals with all really serious things all the time. You know, every week, there's, uh, there's serious stuff to talk about, life-changing stuff. This is life-or-death stuff. And in the meantime, throughout the week, I'm also dealing with, with people's marriages that are falling apart and families that are in crisis and people who are dying. And, and so I don't get a lot, of, a lot of light moments in my schedule. It's all really weighty. And sometimes that, that can be heavy for me. Uh, my job is, is open to a lot of criticism. I know some of you are leaders and you get a lot of criticism. You understand. The weird thing about my job is, is when I get criticism, I just can't push it off to a customer service representative. So like, hey, handle this. You know, give them a $10 gift card and invite them back, right? It doesn't work that way. Like, when, when you're upset about something, you ask me about it, and I, I'm supposed to answer you back. And, and so, that, so that's a challenge to my job. Now, now, you've got challenges in your job, too, and I'm not up here whining. I don't want you to weep for me. That's not what this is about. What this is about, though, is that early in my ministry, as I, as I got acquainted with those challenges, I found myself much more willing to just embrace and accept the challenges of my job than I was to accept the blessings of my job. See, because with my job, there are also blessings. Um, even though I've got a weird schedule, I've got a lot of flexibility. So if my kids wanted me to go on a field trip or something, I, I can move my schedule and I can do that. And, and I, I get to have a job where I, I get to do something I'm passionate about, something that I believe makes a difference. And that's, man, that's, that's, that's a blessing. That's a benefit. That's a privilege. In my job, I get to work with really great people and we get to have relationships with each other and closeness with each other that a lot of you probably don't get to have with people you work with. And that's a blessing. That's, that's a benefit. But see, I discovered that, that and this is, this is so dumb, I discovered that, that I, would, I would be okay with accepting the challenges, you know, like the schedule, all that stuff. I'd just embrace that and be like, hey, this is what this is. But I was so reluctant to embrace the benefits of my job. And so, um, you know, th things would happen where, where it'd be a beautiful day and I'd be like, you know what, I don't have a lot this afternoon, I've got stuff this evening, I'm just going to leave and I'm going to go take a long lunch. You know, maybe my wife is home or my kids are home and I'm going to go hang out with them for a couple hours. We're going to sit on the deck. We're just going to enjoy the day. And I'd be leaving and I'd be in a good mood like, I'm, I'm going to seize the day here. And I'd be on the way out and I'd tell someone what I'm doing and they go, oh, huh, that sounds nice. Wish I could do that. Right, because that's what we do. We, we, all, we compare. And, and, uh, and, and so I'd hear that and immediately what would I do? I'd get defensive. And what I'd want to do is I'd want to fire back and go, well... You know, I, I wish I didn't have to work every holiday. I wish, you know, I, got, I, I wish I got my summers off. I wish, you know, I wish something in your life. But, of course, I didn't say that because I'm a pastor and I'm not allowed for some <laughs> weird reason. I think those thoughts, just let me say them sometimes. Um, but, but the really dangerous thing is not that I almost blurted those things out because there's forgiveness for those things. Uh, the really dangerous thing is that when I would hear someone say that, it would do something to me internally and I would say, you know what, I'm never going to take a long lunch again. I'm not going to open myself up to that kind of criticism. I don't want people to think that I don't work hard, so I'm, I'm done. I'm never going to do this again. Uh, again, do you see what I'm doing? 
I'm saying, I will take all of the responsibility, all of the weight, all of the pressure. I will own it and I will not whine about it, but I will not accept the benefits. Now, if you do this in your job, if you do this, in, and I'm speaking from experience, if you do this in your marriage, if you do this in your relationships, if you do this in life, you will burn out. And someday your heart's just going to check out of whatever you're doing and you'll still be going through the motions. Your body will still be there, but your heart is gone. And man, that's, that's a painful way to live. That's no way to be a steward. That's no way to experience the good life. Uh, secondly, when we fail to enjoy, we rebel. We rebel. I love the story that um, Steve and Sarah shared about their giving journey. And I, I believe giving is such an incredible, it can be such an incredible blessing. And I've experienced that blessing in my life. Um, but I also, I also love how they talk about getting out of debt. And if you've ever been there trying to pay off debt, um, you know that can be a really tricky thing to do. In fact, if you're trying to pay off debt and you create a budget for yourself that is so strict that you can't move, you can't breathe, you can't feel free to ever enjoy anything, um, you know what inevitably happens if you do that. You end up crumpling up the budget and throwing it away and saying, well, that didn't work. Because we can't live stifled like that. You end up rebelling against your budget. I see people do that in life all the time too. Uh, specifically, I've, I've seen this lately with moms. Probably it's true with dads too, but I've seen it with moms. Um, that moms who feel so responsible for their kids and, and they're just parenting and, and they're taking care of their kids and they're trying to help their kids be responsible and they're trying to raise them. And, uh, and it's, just, it's just work, work, work of parenting. Never any joy in parenting. I, I've watched as a number of moms have just said, you know what? I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And they literally rebel. They walk away from being a mom. I see people do this in a relationship with God. See, if, you, if you believe, if you believe that God is uh, just standing over you all the time, demanding sacrifice, demanding more, saying work harder, go deeper, you know, you're not bleeding enough, you're not trying, you're not really, you know, right? And sometimes that's, how, that's, that's the voice we hear in our head and we think that's God. And, and if that's you, it's only a matter of time before you go, I'm done. This is too hard. I can't live like this. And you're right. You can't live like this. But what, it, what happens tragically is that people rebel and they walk away even from their relationship with God. See, if you don't give yourself the freedom to enjoy, because God is not a God standing over you saying more, harder, faster, deeper. No. God, God is a good Good father, right? We, we talked about this in week one. Even though there's work for us to do and he's given us responsibility, we remember who he is. He's a, he's a good and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love. He satisfies our desires with good things. As high as the heavens are above the earth, earth, so great is his love for us. And if you can't learn to embrace it, if you can't learn to enjoy that, then man, you're going to rebel someday. Or, or thirdly, when we fail to enjoy, we overindulge. Um, this, is, this is wild, but this is true. If you want to find a simple way to begin to lose weight, um, you know what? You, you don't have to transition all of your food to food that tastes like cardboard. It's good news for you, right? You don't have to eat cardboard if you want to lose weight. What, one of the simple things that you can do is you can simply start enjoying what you actually do eat. Which it sounds so simple. You're like, well, what? But, but, but listen to how we, most of the time we eat. 
We're like, eat hunched over our desk while we're working on some stuff. We're, we're, we're at the drive through line and we're shoving food down our throat while we're running a kid from here to there. We're trying to get to a meeting on time, right? Uh, we, we sit down and we've got like five minutes to, to get everyone together before someone's got to go somewhere and we're shoveling the food into our mouths. And when it's gone, we don't even remember what we ate, if we enjoyed it or anything. See, I'm saying if you, if you slow down and you chew more than once or twice, um, if, if you savor if you give thanks for what you're eating, not just at the beginning as kind of, well, we have to say the, the prayer or the grace, but if you actually give thanks for the food that you're eating, do you know what will happen? You, you will leave that meal more satisfied. You can eat the same amount of food and you'll leave that meal more satisfied, which means you're less likely to run to the pantry an hour later or to binge at your next meal. See, if, if you want to just eat a little less, the trick is to enjoy what you're actually eating. Now, you can apply this to so many other things in life, can't you? I mean, the key to moderation is to thoroughly enjoy what you do consume. And that's why we as a society, we stink at this. Our problem is not that we don't spend enough of God's money or God's resources on ourselves, right? I would never say that. I think we spend way too much on ourselves. But I get why we're doing it. We're we're trying to bring some joy into our life. But the problem isn't with the quantity. I mean, the problem is the quantity. But buying more, consuming more, that's not going to do it for us. What's going to do it for us, what's really going to bring us joy in life is to slow down and to enjoy the things we're consuming, right? To enjoy what we buy, to enjoy what we own, to enjoy what we eat, to enjoy what we experience. We consume, but we do it without any joy. We're like the kid who runs into the pantry and shoves three Oreos into her mouth when her parents aren't looking and you know, chews them up and swallows them before anyone can see. There's no enjoyment in that, really. And I guarantee an hour later, she's going to be back in the pantry doing the same thing. See, see, just the bottom line on this one, by failing to give ourselves the permission, the freedom to responsibly enjoy life, we end up devouring too much of life and yet still feeling hungry for more. And if you don't learn how to responsibly enjoy life, you will constantly go on this this back and forth of just overindulging, of spending too much, of consuming too much, and you still will have no joy because it's not in the consumption, it's in the enjoyment. It's learning to slow down and to be thankful and to let those things bring you pleasure. See, but God, he's created us not not to experience any of these things. He's created us to enjoy and he's blessed us with all kinds of things in life that are meant to be enjoyed so that we can endure during the hard seasons of life. Life is hard and God gives us hard work to do. He does. But he also brings joyful things into our lives that are meant to sustain us and refresh us so that we can endure the hard seasons. Do you know that? But even bigger than that, God gives us good things in life so that we can really, really know how much he loves us. And today I just, I just have to say this, that God loves you. And I think you just need to hear this, that, that God, our Father, he loves you. He loves you. And he loves you so much that he not only gave Jesus for you to make a way for you to have eternal life, but he's given you all kinds of other gifts as well. And he's put those things into your life. And they are, they are love letters from God. They, they are signs that he loves you. He's, he's telling you a thousand times a day, I love you, I love you, I love you. Just, just take this moment in and enjoy it. And we refuse. See, if for no other reason, learn to enjoy the good life so that you can learn how much you are loved. So here's your challenge this week. I, I know some of you are like, I just got a challenge last week and I still haven't done it. Now I'm behind in my homework and this is terrible. Um, this one doesn't, 
This one doesn't require maybe as much legwork. Um, I think it's just as difficult. Uh, but, but here's the challenge for you. I want you to think of something in your life that you really struggle to enjoy, something you already have, something that you already do, something that you're already going to do that, that you struggle to enjoy. Uh, for some of you, that may be your car. Now, in this, in this society, we spend a ridiculous amount of money in transportation. Let's just be honest. The amount of money we put into cars that won't run forever and then insuring them and everything else. I mean, it is a crazy amount of money. But hey, it is what it is. What the real tragedy is for me is that we spent all that money on cars and we don't even enjoy them. It's just a payment and we just ride around and pretty soon it's like, we just, we just think this is, you know, whatever. So here's my challenge for you. If, if, that's, if that's maybe something you have a hard time enjoying, you have a hard time enjoying your car. This week, enjoy your car. Enjoy the fact that you don't have to walk everywhere. You know, enjoy the luxuries that the car brings into your life. That if you want to go to a store across town, you can do that in a matter of minutes. Enjoy your air conditioning if you have it. Enjoy your stereo system if you have it. Enjoy that you get to ride in comfort. Enjoy that, you know, people look at you and they're like, hey, you know, when you're in your car. Whatever it is for you. Right? It's something that you've already taken for yourself. Why don't you go ahead and enjoy it? Uh, maybe, maybe for you it's not your car. Maybe it's your kids. And I brought this up earlier that uh, some of you are in a season of life where you're raising your kids and it's a lot of hard work. It is, it is a ton of work. It's a ton of responsibility to try to raise up responsible human beings. People who will be whole and generous and good and, and love God, right? I get it. I mean, I'm in there with you. But often what happens is, is we fail to enjoy our kids. And so if that's you, my challenge for you is just let some of the pressure off. For most of us, school's going to get out this week anyway, right? So um, instead of worrying about what other people think about your kids, or if you're doing a good job, just take some time this week and enjoy your kids. Find some way to do something that's not just a responsible mommy or daddy thing to do, but find a way to do something that will make you happy, that will help you enjoy them. Maybe for you it's your favorite food that you struggle to enjoy. And again, chances are you're probably going to eat it anyway, even if it's not healthy, right? We, we eat that stuff. But what do we do? We eat it and we're like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be eating this. And then we finish eating and then we beat ourselves up and we're like, I can't believe I ate that. Oh, I'm such a pig, right? <laughs> we all do it. We all do it. So if you're going to eat it anyway, here's my suggestion. Just eat it. Say, hey, I can't eat this every day. It wouldn't be healthy for me. It wouldn't be good for me. But I'm going to enjoy this. This is a gift from God. And savor it and enjoy it. And when you're done, don't be regretful. Just be thankful. And see if that doesn't stave off the craving for it the next time. Or how about this? Um, how about your body? I know this sounds a little weird to say enjoy your body. Um, but, but for a lot of us, man, there's so much hatred with our body and we don't like the way it looks and we don't like the way it feels and maybe our body can't do the things that it once was able to do. But this week, can, can you just enjoy what your body can do? I mean, God has given us these amazing bodies that can do things that, I mean, you look around the animal kingdom and you're just like, yeah, cheetahs can run fast. And, but, but man, can you think about the things that we as humans can do with these bodies that God has given to us? The things that they can experience, the senses, the awareness that God gives us. Instead of hating on your body, instead of being dissatisfied and frustrated with your body, can you find a way to enjoy the gift of your physical body and enjoy the uh, physical world around you through it? See, it's, 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 it sounds such an easy thing to do, right? And yet, I put my money on the fact that most of you will find a way to use your $5 in a meaningful way than you will to actually take this challenge seriously. To enjoy the good life. To take hold of God's blessing and favor today. Because today is the day that God approves of what you do. If you're here, if you're alive, 
Today is the day that God means for you to soak up his blessing. And not just to, to soak up his blessing, but to soak up his love. To remember that he is a God who loves you deeply. And you are his son, you are his daughter, and he favors you. Let me pray for that. Father in heaven, we ask today that you would help us. You would help us to enjoy the life that you've given to us. And Father, we know there's work for us to do. And you've called us with a high calling and there's important work for us to do. But Father, in the middle of that work, help us find joy. Give us the courage to push back against our peers or society or fear of judgment and simply to enjoy the blessing that you've put into our lives. Father, help us remember today that you are a good father. And if in our minds we've gotten this wrong, if this has become distorted, if, if we hear a voice in our head that's always telling us to do better and that we're not good enough and that we need to try harder and we need to suck it up, and, and, if, and if we think that voice is you, Father, today I pray that you would, you would just correct us, that you'd silence the voice of the evil one because that's him speaking, that's not you. And instead, Father, I invite you to speak words of love and truth over us to remind us that we are yours, that we are loved, that you do satisfy our desires with good things so that on this journey that we're on that is sometimes hard and difficult, that we might not, we might not um, burn out or rebel or overindulge, but that we might be refreshed, that we might feel loved, that we might find joy even in the difficult circumstances. So Father, give us the courage to do that. Give us the courage to take this challenge, to soak up your love and to love you back for it. We pray it in Jesus. Amen.